0: Bam Radio Network.
1: My perfect professional development would be for my schools in my district to give the teachers the opportunity to pursue what they are truly passionate about. What Google is doing with their 20% approach and allowing their employees to work on what they're passionate about 20% of the week. And Eric Sheninger talked at FETC about how he's implemented that at New Milford High School up in New Jersey, giving his teachers, you know, I think as much as three periods a week from their schedule to work on whatever they feel passionate about. And I think once we give those teachers the opportunity to begin working on what they're passionate about, we'll see great things. Welcome to EdChat Radio. I'm Tom Whitby.
2: On uh, EdChat Radio today, we have uh, with us a guest. We do this from time to time. If we we find an EdChat chatter who is very involved with a particular EdChat, we'll usually invite them to the radio show. With us, we have Aaron Schmuel. And the other members of our EdChat team would be uh, Jerry Switek and Nancy Blair. The topic that we had for uh, this last last week's EdChat was this. Does professional development for educators in its present form today adequately address teachers' needs and relevancy in education. Aaron, you're the newest guy on the panel, and you are our guest, so I'm just going to ask you for a, your general response to the Ed Chat this week.
3: One of the things that became very clear looking at the chat was that people want um, professional development that is, that is relevant, um, that's timely, and that they have some choice about as far as what they're learning they can go and make it happen in their classroom or in their school right away. And it became pretty clear throughout the chat that that wasn't really what they felt like they were getting most of the time. It was uh, interesting to see that, you know, ed camps and unconferences and those kinds of uh, professional learning experiences where uh, teachers and administrators got to have some control over what happened um, really seemed to be the things that people gravitated towards. And that's what struck me kind of most deeply as, as throughout the
2: chat. When it comes to a teacher's choice in professional development, I'm kind of torn. I kind of think that, that as professionals we should have a choice about the things that we want to learn about, but then I, I I think not every teacher knows what it is that they don't know. So they can't make a choice to do something if they don't even know that thing exists. And and the, the other thing that complicates that even further is that, that too many educators, and, and it's not just true of educators, it's true of everybody, they don't like to leave their comfort zones. They're very comfortable doing what they want to do. So for somebody to step out of that comfort zone to explore something else is not an easy task. So then I come back again to professional development. Should it always be the choice of the educator, or should there be forms of professional development that they don't have a choice about that is decided for them?
1: My thought on that is, you know, there's always going to be the need for the school-based, you know, what we typically refer to as, you know, the regular PD. I think what we really need to start moving toward and I think what educators need to start moving toward is their self-directed professional development using tools like Twitter and using tools like, you know, the EduPLN to make connections with other educators and learn from other educators and and sort of direct their learning that way when the schools just simply maybe don't have the time or the resources to be able to provide that type of professional development. I think it at some point becomes our responsibility to begin uh creating and, and producing our own professional development uh, in that manner. Uh, Nancy, what do
0: you think? About yeah, that? I agree completely. It goes back to my personal watchword, which is balance, that It It's not either or. It's not all open choice or it's all just prescribed professional development on topics for which they have no choice. I agree completely with Tom that there are, I've often seen it where teachers don't know what they don't know and they don't want to step outside of their comfort zone. And so sometimes I think there is a need to have some prescribed professional development uh, in tandem with some opportunities for choice. I'm a big advocate of ed camps and teach meets and unconference movements, but there are times when information needs to be communicated and people need to be trained.
2: What both of you are are pointing to is collaborative learning. and I think collaborative learning is a very integral part of of how we learn, and it's something that should be stressed in professional development. However, one of the problems in getting people to do this is in America alone, I think there is, according to the last census, there was 7.2 million teachers. Of those 7.2 million teachers, we might have 400,000 that are truly connected and using those connections on social media. How do we get everybody else connected for professional development? You know, should this, should this connected educator idea be part of professional development moving forward? And for that, I'm going to go to Aaron, the new guy.
3: I can tell you that I think that it needs to be a part of uh, what educators are expected to do as they move forward as a part of their development as an educator because It's where students need to be, and so I think the educators need to be aware and connected themselves so they can share those experiences and and that type of learning, because the type of learning that you get as a connected educator is very different than what we do in most of our schools, and a lot of the, the transitions you see after doing some connected learning is teachers changing their practice in classrooms so that their classroom experience looks more like their own learning experience that they got through being a connected educator. So I think it's something that needs to be pushed. Um, I think it's something that people need to be exposed to. And I think it needs to start in the way that it's optional to begin with to get people comfortable so you have those early adopters grab on. And I think it's important for school leaders to say, you know, this is an important part of what we see as professional educators. It's a part of what you need to be in defining it that way. So that's where that, that idea of balance or choice comes into play where uh, you can maybe choose the pace at which you start using connected education tools, but you can't make the choice not to use them. Um, In the same way, professional learning and development needs to be focused on what we know to be effective practices, not just because you like the practice, but it's got to be something that's going to help kids learn. And we have plenty of research now that says these are our practices that help kids learn. I think it needs to be the
1: combination of both of those. And Aaron, I I think you mentioned really the, the root of what I think is the biggest problem with connected educators and professional development the way it is now is that we have so very few of you. We have so very few connected leaders. And unless our leaders, unless our administrators are willing to step out of that comfort zone, begin investigating some of these other opportunities, they have to be connected and model that behavior I think the change is going to be very, very slow and certainly very far in between. So my question to you, Aaron, would be, as a connected educator, how do we teachers help our administrators become more connected?
3: A lot of it comes down to being willing to expose your administrators to the learning that you're getting from your PLN and being able to say you know, look, I got this off of the Twitter chat that I was on last night, and this is how I'm going to put it in practice in my class, and this is how i was exposed to it. And then I think also one of the things that I've noticed is I've tried to push things like Twitter and Google Plus and whatnot in in our district with our leaders is the same way that we know that there's that barrier for all professional learning when it comes to technology. There's a barrier of, you know, am I using an appliance like TweetDeck or something like that to access it? How am I accessing the learning? And once they get comfortable with the technology, then the learning is there and it makes sense. So I think for a lot of our administrators, it's really important to sit down and walk them through it. You know, one of the things that we're thinking about putting in place or that we're going to put in place in our district is we're going to do um, a collaborative planning chat for all of our fourth grade teachers with our administrators sitting in during the school day um, so that we can have people on site who can manage the chat, people can watch it, they don't have to be a part of it per se, just to expose them and say, look, it's not that difficult to do, but look at this wealth of information and these connections that you make. Then the other piece I'll say that that is helping in the state of Georgia right now is in our new evaluation system, um, in order to be marked as an exemplary educator, whether it's on the leader evaluation or on the teacher evaluation, um, one of the hallmarks of being exemplary um, is being, in essence, connected, going out and sharing information, sharing your knowledge, uh, sharing your expertise, is defined inside of that rubric for how you become considered exemplary in your field.
0: Another issue that will have to be addressed in this professional development debate with regard to connected educators is the notion of credit. And that's where so many teachers balk at doing this connected learning because too many places still won't give you any credit for the learning that you acquire through your connections and and your PLN.
2: Well, maybe that's something else we need to think of (laughs) in educational reform This whole (laughs) idea of crediting people for whatever it is that they have to do. Maybe we should look at that. Some more. You know, certainly if, if professional development becomes part of the work week, the whole idea of credits kind of goes out the window. But...
3: One of the things that we've done, too, that I think is, is great for consideration around this idea of credit is within our evaluation system, to get to that exemplary level, like I said earlier, you've got to demonstrate that you're sharing outside of, you know, the closed walls in which you operate day to day. And so, you know, a Twitter transcript is a great way for us to have documented evidence that you engage in those dialogues. And so they'll get credit from that standpoint. I think it's it's important for district leaders to begin to think about um, how to provide credit for teachers for the learning that they do, um, not just for having experienced the learning, but then that next step of how are you applying it in practice.
0: Great. Nancy? I appreciated in the chat how people emphasize the importance or the value of reflection as part of their professional learning and the need for follow-up and support. Uh, and I agree with you, Tom, what you said about administrative participation. As somebody who uh, provides professional development, the places where administrators never attend, then the progress is, is non-existent or very slow.
1: And Jerry? My perfect professional development would be for my school, my, my schools, in my district to give the teachers the opportunity to pursue what they are truly passionate about. And I, I think what Google is doing with their 20% approach and allowing their employees to work on what they're passionate about 20% of the week. And Eric Sheninger talked at FETC about how he's implemented that at New Milford High School up in New Jersey, giving his teachers, you know, I think, as much as three periods a week from their schedule to work on whatever they feel passionate about. And this is above and beyond what they do for their regular professional development required by the district. And I think once we give those teachers the opportunity to begin working on what they're passionate about, we'll see great things.
2: Professional development is one topic that whenever we do on EdChat, we we get a great deal of participation. And and I think it is because the frustration that educators have with the professional development that they're being afforded. We're in a technology-driven society, and learning moves at at a rate much faster than it ever has before. And if we're going to be relevant, we have to keep up with what's going on. And, and my feeling is we, we can't expect to teach our students until we first teach our teachers. And it's a very important thing to keep them relevant and keep them up to date with what's going on and what they need to know as, as relevant educators. So with that, I look forward to meeting with you guys again sometime in the near future because we've got an EdChat coming up again Tuesday. Thank you very much, one and all. You've been listening to EdChat Radio. I'm Tom Whitby. This program is produced by Accretive
0: Media for the BAM Radio Network.